1: Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News podcast. I am Bennett Conlin, and Jack Fitzpatrick is joining us. Always, <laughs> that, was a, that
0: was a really interesting way to leave me in. It was like <laughs> I, I, wanted, was to, I wanted to sort of go around
1: on a little a little loop <laughs> and make it seem more special this time, since our our viewership is rapidly decreasing. Yeah, I mean,
0: football's over, so I guess we we lost probably about fifty listeners. Um,
1: but I'll be honest, I didn't listen last week, so thank you to our – well, you were on it. Thank you <laughs> our loyal – see, I hope you listen to at least our loyal fans for staying on.
0: Yeah, we're, we're back to our mi- – that sounded really unenthusiastic. Yeah, I was going to say you
1: don't care about our loyal fans. <laughs> no, I do fans. appreciate like, yeah. it. Good for – cool.
0: Our, our 68 who listened last week and our 64 that will listen this week, we appreciate you. And you guys all probably do already, but just for those who don't and who have been listening to us now for two seasons and still don't follow us on Twitter, follow us at JMU Sports News. You can ask us any questions since we are just the two of us and it's JMU. We see a lot of our mentions um, and we reply to almost all of them. So if you have a question or anything like that, just shoot it our way and we will get it to you. You can also email us jmusportsnews at gmail.com with any questions comments or concerns and as always check us out on our home on the web www.jmusportsnews.com all right let's dive
1: into it today all right so we're going to talk mostly basketball uh, men's basketball and women's basketball because that's pretty much what's going on I think we're still like two weeks or 10 days or something like that away from spring sports So we'll certainly get into those I know lacrosse and softball or two that people are certainly excited about very myself included. Yes. But we'll focus on men's and women's basketball. Um, yeah. Weird sports week nationally um, with the Kobe Bryant stuff, but we will focus mostly on JMU. Of course um, the women's basketball team breeze TV put out something on Twitter with a few of the players talking about Kobe and what he meant to the women's game. And I actually thought that was a really interesting 92nd soundbite um, that included video as well. So Check that out. You can find them, Breeze TV something on Twitter, but we also quote tweeted it, so you can find that there. Um, yeah, but I guess let's start with the men's team, which the losing streak, I believe, has grown to six games. Um, I watched the entire Elon game, and um, why would I'm you not do sure that why. to yourself? <laughs> I remember it I was really rough. Uh,
0: yeah, I distinctly remember turning it on and then yeah. turning it right off. Or was that the William oh, & Mary smart. game? That might have been the William & Mary game.
1: Well, it was both of Mary those are game. smart. This one was worse. You probably didn't even turn this one on. Oh, no.
0: I was working on that during this one. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Good call. Good <laughs> that's call. what I chose. I was like, I'm going uh, to Well, they lost by nine to Elon. They were down 15 at halftime. Scored 49 <laughs> second-half points, but it didn't matter because they didn't play any defense <laughs> in the second half. They just... Elon's bad. Like, let's make that clear. So, Elon, they're 6-16 six now after beating JMU. And I can – let me try to pull up their wins so far this season. They are not oh, you impressive. tweeted it. I, it was sad. I did. It was sad. I thought it was worth noting who, what Elon – Mars Hill. That Elon beaten. Yeah. It's Mars Hill, Milligan, Kennesaw State, North Carolina Wesleyan, UNCW, and JMU. I have a question for you. Yes.
0: Not really a question. I just think it's funny. Mars Hill always just, like, kind of pokes its head up. And Lenore Rhine,
1: like, the (laughs) ex-Mike
0: Houston schools.
1: All the Mike Houston (laughs) memories always finding their way in there. It was just a really bad performance. Um, And it's not the first bad performance this season (laughs) or of the last last four years. It's kind of something that we're used to. So, at this point, I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on this team? What are your thoughts on... Where they're headed, Lewis Rowe, all those things. I mean, it's I'm kind of beating a dead horse. Yeah. But, I mean, what do you think?
0: I mean, Elon, two and seven in conference, like you said, six and sixteen in the overall, they're not good. Um, you you just listed their wins. Not good wins. And like JMU shouldn't on paper, they shouldn't lose this game. They shouldn't lose a I mean, I we'll get into that later, but I mean, it's just an ugly loss. Jamie now sits alone at the bottom of the CA standings. They, they they got a first place vote in the preseason standings. They got three, I think. Oh, they got they got some. And I want to know what coaches Who hell. I want to <laughs> know what coaches voted that way. Was it? Did they all get together and like do it to joke around? Because like, they like, let's pull a – Who even one.
1: votes in that thing? Is it? I
0: think it's coaches and SIDs. I don't even know. I don't know, but, I, like, they shouldn't have lost this game. It was an embarrassing one. Even if you do lose it, lose by two. Don't, like, be on the verge of getting
1: <laughs> blown out. It was it was you a blowout for a while. The game was never really in doubt.
0: No. I mean, like, a little bit of a run there. Like you said, 49 points in the second half. They were trying their darndest to come back. But when you allow 43 points in the second half and you only scored 24 in the first half as JMU – Like, you're not doing enough to win. In the first
1: half, I thought the energy was better in the second half where they outscored Elon by six um, and dropped 50 points. The first half, they looked dead. I mean, they looked completely defeated. Like, they didn't want to be there. And if you told them that if they could get through this game, regardless of outcome, and the season would end, and they could sign a piece of paper to do it, it seemed like all of them would. Like, they were just completely checked out mentally, it looked like. And they struggled. I mean, they were just – they were bad. And then the second half, they – did a little bit of a run but they just couldn't put any stops together they didn't get rebounds when they needed them they just struggled a lot to do what they needed to do to win the game and they it's just a familiar story for jamie where they don't play well against a team that they very well should beat matt lewis put up 33 points in 36 minutes he was pretty efficient from the floor did some nice things but he also had five turnovers and didn't have an assist right so you've got that coming at you Darius Banks who they normally rely on was not afraid to shoot in this one but he went three of 16 they just can't have these guys struggle as much as they did guys that are supposed to be your upperclassmen leaders I mean when you've got one of your guards who has five turnovers four personal fouls and doesn't have an assist even if he does score 33 they're playing a lot of hero ball so he's driving into the lane and taking up challenge shots and I don't know if that's the plan or what but it, it doesn't make for good basketball and that's maybe my biggest concern is that they just have a lot of plays where they drive in, fire up wild shots. And for some reason, because their goal is to run tempo, that that doesn't become like a problem. There don't seem to be consequences when a player does that. They just run down the floor, fire up a ridiculous shot, miss it. And then they're like, Coach Rowe claps. And it's like, I mean, if somebody does that, they should come out of the game. Put somebody else in who's going to run offense and pass the ball. Yeah. And maybe that's my biggest complaint. It's just they're really – well, We'll get into this later. They're decently talented. They have some good pieces on the roster, but the way they're playing, they don't really play like a team.
0: Yeah, and it just seems like hero ball is a great way to say it. I didn't even think of it like that. Like, It seems like their offense runs through Matt Lewis, and the strategy is let him do the offense. And I could be completely wrong. That could not be the game plan at all but that's just what it looks like as a, as a bystander watching on TV on the amazing flow sports. Like it just seems like this, the plan is get Matt the ball. He's going to drive in and do a contested layup and then pray. You get the offensive rebound and then kick it back out to someone for a three right away. Like, let's not reset. Let's like, let's bring it down the court and, and run an offensive set. Like let's make a couple of passes and I think that's also a big reason why this team struggles on holding on to leads so much is because once they build that 10 point lead or eight point lead, or, or whatever, all of a sudden they keep doing that type of offense where they're not draining any of the shot clock and then they're not getting the rebounds. And then all of a sudden the other team can just storm on back. And then Jamie never gets it, like gets it going again. Um, Cause it does seem like they're so hot and cold, but that hero ball thing is just, is just spot on. They, they have the pieces offensively, at least, to kind of play more of a systematic offense of four passes, get the shot, feed it down low to Wilson in the post, kick it out to Banks, kick it out to Lewis. But it just seems like Lewis is just taking it and driving into the paint, doing a contested shot every time. And on the season, what, shooting like 35%?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know his exact stats. I, that would sound right, though. Let me see. I'm
0: looking it up too. Thirty-nine. Okay, but not, not, a, not good enough to have that be your offensive game plan. Let's say you're shooting fifty-two percent. Go ahead and do that all the time because the odds are literally in your favor. But when it's forty percent, like, kick it out. But when you look at it, no one on the team's having a good shooting season. The best shooter is Dwight yeah. Wilson, at fifty-three percent, but that's because he's in the post and he's a behemoth of a man and the offense should run through him. If you ask me.
1: Yeah, they're just, they're not really playing the way that they need to. I think a lot of the two point shots is where they struggle. They're not efficient at all from two. They're not the worst from three. They're like the middle of the country. If you look at their two point uh, field goal percentage, they're one of the worst 100 teams nationally. It's because a lot of their two point attempts are not Dwight Wilson down low. It's a, a guard or somebody slashing in and taking an off balance jumper Leaning away, trying to bank it in, and they miss six of them. And they make one of them, and everyone's like, Oh, wow.
0: And it's a but beautiful shot. One. And it's like, and it normally comes when it needs to come, if that makes sense. Like
1: yeah. you're on
0: the, the receiving end of an 8 0 run, and you're down 10, and then you slash in and make this amazing layup, and, and the momentum's shifted. And then the other team goes down because you can't get back fast enough and nails a three in your face.
1: Right. I mean, they just take too many ill advised shots, they don't play great defense. The other thing that's fascinating is they get to the free throw line at a, it, at a really high woo, what a rate. clip! They do a, a great job getting to the free throw line. Uh, their free throw percentage is one of the 35 worst <laughs> nationally. So they, <laughs> they get to the line, they can't convert. So they're taking bad twos when they get fouled, which they do a good job of doing. They because miss a lot slashing. of these free throws. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's crazy because the, the problems with this team seem to change constantly and <laughs> It's not a particularly good team. I don't think anything they're doing is really good. You look at the rest of their schedule, and I'm on Ken Palm right now, the advanced stats, are give projected it to me. To, they're projected to win. I guess they've given them projected record 11 and 18, um, but they're only favored in two of those games. But you look at just the averages, I guess they end up giving them three more wins. So they'll, they'll have them go three and, what, six the rest of the way, four and 14 in the league. Um, I think that might be generous, to be completely honest with you, the way, that, the, way the team's playing. So, I mean it's just I don't know even what to say about this team right now. They're they're bad and they should not be this bad, but I guess maybe we can get into the roster yeah. talk. I mean, how good do you think this team should be? We know they should not be this bad, but how good should they really be?
0: I think I think we've all overestimated this roster. Like for years now, and I think I said it last week on the podcast, for years we're like this roster is good, they're going to turn the corner and things are going to happen. But over and over again, they've shown their true colors. And I just don't think this roster is as great as we as we think it is. We've seen tweets of people that are like, this is a roster on paper that is tops in the tops in the CAA. Are they? Is this a roster that's really a 20-win roster on paper? And Coach Rowe is really pulling them down that many wins. Like, and I know a coach is a huge part of college basketball, but I don't think coach Rose expected win value is like minus 13, you know, like he's, I, I just think this is a mid-level roster, a roster that can win 12 games and they are underperforming at this point in the season. Um, and that could be due to coaching, but this is also a roster that I think we've just vastly overestimated for the last three
1: years yeah to me it's like a 500 kind of roster like in maybe even a little worse in conference play so i yeah i thought they could be like uh like a 15 and 14 kind of team or something like that and i think you add in the lack of discipline and organization and you'll get them down to more like 10 wins where i think if they were doing it the other way they probably could stretch to 20 wins but i don't think the talent alone is like a 21 team yeah it's not like I think wow. That's, that's where people are kind of overhyping him a bit. And I think that has to factor into the decision they end up making with Roe is like, he's a good recruiter. I won't argue that. I think he's added some talent that you certainly didn't have before. There's a lot of athleticism and ability there. Um, people well, make him out to be like, he's one of the best recruiters in the country. And that's factually untrue. They have not added talent that is like jaw dropping talent. They've got good players. Matt Lewis is good. Darius Banks is good. Dwight Wilson is good. Michael Christmas is a really good freshman recruit. I think he can develop into something special. I like what Julian Wooden brings. Like they've got good talent, but when people look at this team, they act like they brought in these five star McDonald's All Americans, like that are changing the face of college basketball. And they're like, they're solid, low major players. Yeah. They're not, I don't know. I just think that people, when they look at him, they're like, well, what he does coaching isn't great, but his recruiting ability, his recruiting ability is. I think dramatically overblown. I think maybe how bad he is, it is as a coach um, is maybe a little overestimated as well. I think he's not as bad a coach as we think, but he's also not nearly as good a recruiter as we think.
0: No, I'm going to push back a little bit on that. I think he's as bad as a coach as we think. And I also think he's a worse recruiter than we think. Um, and that sounds really harsh, but Of the guys he's brought in, what, only one of them had stars. And I know stars is such a subjective thing and and everything like that. But I'm I'm pretty sure Michael Christmas was a three-star recruit. And he's the only one he's brought in. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Let me look. But just, like, overall, I think they're all very athletic. But he's not – and they can do highlight dunks and stuff like that, which makes people think they're good. But overall, I just – I don't think he's bringing anything more than a Mike Jones or an Akbar Wahid or a J.D. Byers can bring in recruiting-wise. Like, he's not doing – he isn't pulling in recruits that they wouldn't be able to pull in type of thing. I think that's fair.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know that he's landing guys that are, you know, yeah. elite-level dudes. If, and if
0: he pulled in a five-star recruit or a four-star or someone who was a fringe McDonald's All-American, maybe didn't make it but was, like – on the fringe of it, then I, I, then I'd step back and say, damn, he's a good recruiter, but he hasn't done that. He's recruited roughly the same Mike, not Mike Brady, Matt Brady was over in Eastern Europe recruiting and Rose just in Northern Virginia. So a little bit less of a budget, but overall the teams are performing the same.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's been disappointing to see what the teams have done, and looking at the recruiting classes, it looks like um, Quinn Ritchie was a two-star, two-star guy. Okay, and they're saying Banks was three-star, but the picture does not look like Darius Banks. <laughs> so I'm not sure. I'm not really sure how legit this is, but they have not brought in a, like elite level. I mean, like Jackson Kent was a three-star guy. Didn't, I don't know that that was necessarily an accurate ranking on him. Um, let me see if this is actually Darius Banks. It, They're saying it is. It, I don't know. it is, but the I, picture I just,
0: they I, I, I pulled it up. Are you on twenty-four-seven?
1: Yeah, the <laughs> pictures. The, the, the
0: yeah, the pictures not right, very <laughs> wrong. But every other picture they have of him
1: is right. It is right. All right. So I guess he was a, a three-star dude. Uh, but I guess the other ones, like Matt Lewis and stuff, weren't necessarily as highly recruited. Um, but no, I mean the talent level isn't that bad, and you can you can certainly make the case that I don't think he's quite as bad a coach as we think. I don't think he's like a good coach, but I think people. Maybe pile on a little more than he is, but I mean, he's not getting it done. And if his strength is recruiting, and the recruits aren't even that good, then it, it yeah. makes sense to move on. I mean, do you think there's a chance they move on mid-season?
0: No, um, I, I know you were just in in our text back and forth. You were kind of pushing for it, not to out you on that, but <laughs> just like just knowing the. The athletic office itself and, and who Bourne is and after Bourne's statement last season regarding um, Rose like seat temperature. Um, based off of all of that, I don't think it's likely for them to move on from him midseason. I do think they might be low key kind of looking for other coaches right now and doing the preliminary betting now. Um, and I think once the season's over, Rose out. But I don't think they are going to fire him midseason.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with that. I think it might be um, tough for them to move on midseason. I think it's a certain point that you kind of know what you're going to get. Like, I don't know if they're ever going to turn it around. And I think that they might, if they keep him, it is more out of respect than thinking you can actually get the job done. Yeah. Um, but if you're looking to make your program the best program possible, I would – consider at the very least moving on midseason and promoting josh oppenheimer as <laughs> they signed over the summer i think you can't ignore that possibility he coached collegiately for a little while i was an assistant at delaware at one point but then he spent a lot of time in the nba and working with professional teams in the nba he's an elite coach who's been a player developer at the highest level he knows the roster because he's been on the bench for a while i imagine he's the kind of guy you would look at and think all right, maybe he could potentially be someone that's interviewed for the head coaching job taking over next season. Why not give him a trial run of however many games or whatever in the conference tournament to see if it works? Um, I, I don't think there's a downside to it other than, of course, moving on midseason from a guy that you respect and, and like and is a former JMU player. So I get that aspect of it. But for me, it makes sense if they want the program to become better. Um, I They can't. I don't think that should be off the table. I think they should very much consider uh, making a move just to see if he can provide a spark and maybe show that he's head coach material. Yeah,
0: I, I do like the idea of just promoting Oppenheimer. Um, and in a weird conspiracy theorist of me, I do think that's why he was hired. Um, we talked about it off, off recording last week. Um, but I think Oppenheimer was hired this off season to kind of get to know the program. And then it was kind of almost as an insurance policy. If Roe has another bad year, we have this guy on staff who knows the players, who knows what this program kind of wants and, and understands the players and, and everything like that, that if Roe has a bad year, we can go off of Roe. And then all of a sudden we have Oppenheimer to promote. But from do you think within. they, I think that's, I think,
1: I do think, you think they did it from above though? Because everything announces that like Roe's making those calls. And well, you would think that he would hire his staff.
0: Well well when it's like I don't think
1: Roe would hire his own replacement.
0: When so when Roe got the job and took over for Brady, he kept on um, Mike Dean. Mike Dean. But I don't think that was Rose's choice to keep Mike Dean. I think it was to get a holdover because he was inheriting a team of what, eight seniors? And two underclassmen something or something like that, like that. Yeah. So I think that, that was kind of pushed on him from above. I'm not, I'm, this is purely speculation, but right after all those guys retired, Dean not retired. Once all those guys, the seniors graduated, Mike Dean retires. Um, so I think that was just kind of a holdover thing where, where Roe maybe understood it and wasn't going to push back on that. But he also was like, this isn't my coach. Um, and just kind of had to accept that from the higher-ups, kind of letting that happen. So I think that might have what happened with Oppenheimer. But also, I'm, that could be just a huge conspiracy. And Roe just really liked Oppenheimer. And Oppenheimer was around the program because his daughter um, is on the women's team. So he just kind of got involved with the program as a whole. And Roe just wanted to bring him on. That really could be it, too. But I like looking at things from a
1: conspiracy theory standpoint.
0: So I'm going to do that.
1: So I think my, my guess would be that they probably um, above had mentioned last year that they needed to get assistance that maybe knew what they were doing more on the offensive end or things like that. And I think Oppenheimer being there and having, like, the offensive background made sense. So I think that was probably the reason. But I, I would think that Rowe would have hired him and the assistants with the hopes that this would be a 20-plus win CA title contender team and that it would work out perfectly with Oppenheimer on the bench. Um, so that's that's why I would think that – I mean, if they brought him in, like if the higher ups brought him in as a backup plan, I think they would have maybe even promoted him by now. Though, that would be my my take on the conspiracy theory. But I do think I do think there's probably some role of like the upper people of bringing in a new assistant, maybe. But I'm not sure that Oppenheimer was not guy. That's uh, I think Roe probably
0: valid. valid That'd be my valid. guess. I just want to point something. But I still I would. What were you saying? Yeah. No, you go first.
1: I was just going to say I would be interested to see what Oppenheimer could do leading the team. So I guess that's my only case for potentially moving on early. But I also completely understand the other side of, like, you know, this is a guy that we trust this, in row, um, somebody that we brought in that we really like, and we don't want to sort of do him dirty and knock him out yeah. here in February yeah. and, and just leave him to dry. So I, guess I think the
0: fact that he's and – you, and you tweeted it, like, from Jamie Sports News – he he's he played at JMU. He was a great player. He he is a duke. Yeah. He's an alumni. Like I, I do think that kind of plays into the decision um of I like so. not disrespecting him. I think if it's any other coach at this point who had like no ties as a player or student at JMU, they're be. gone from him. Like I don't think there's that mutual respect, but I think there's a mutual respect between Roe Bourne and JMU. I do want to say something interesting about Oppenheimer. Um Yes regarded as a shot doctor. Um, This is a kind of in his type up on his page, but when he was an assistant for the bucks rockets and nets, they all increased teams field goal percentage in each of his four seasons of the NBA jumping from each one, each time he went his one year there, they increased their field goal percentage. So he's known as a shot doctor for his offensive work. It's just it bears mentioning team JMU shot 44% last year from the field. This year, they're shooting 41%. Last year, they shot 72% from the free throw line. This year, they're shooting 64%. So, Bears mentioning.
1: I would say that it's probably coincidental on both fronts. I don't know that he should be credited for, like, the Bucks, Rockets, and Nets <laughs> really making, like, these leaps in field goal percentage. And also, the Jamie write-up, I will say it, it lacks the, like, how much it increased. It increased by 0.1%. Did they sign like a three point shooter in the offseason? So that's true. That's I won't true. throw that's too true. much into it. I will just say that, like, I would assume that his coaching experience is more valuable than what Roe had coming <laughs> yeah. in. So that's why I would say that potentially the choice. But yeah, it is interesting when you bring in, uh, that's a fair point, when you bring in a shot doctor and the team's shooting plummets. It's like, what, yeah,
0: I, I think what has I happened. I think it's worth mentioning, not because it only drops by 0.3%. I think it's bears mentioning because. It dropped 3% in field goal percentage and 8% in free throw percentage. Like,
1: that's the other thing that's so fascinating about it is the free throw percentage going down. And, and maybe that – not even just that it goes down. Just that they get to the line so much more than their opponents, but they don't make them. Like, if Jamie shot 70% this year from the line, like, how would that have changed some of these <laughs> that's, games? It's uh, that's very, that's very true, too, because, yeah, there's a couple
0: bad losses on their – on their schedule this season. But how right. many of those were close at one point, and then they just missed a lot of free throws, and then things just kind of snowballed from there?
1: Exactly. I mean, you look at the Radford game where they ended up losing by 23, where they were 10-22 to 22 at the line. I don't think that helps your confidence at all. They had the six-point loss to Hofstra, where they led at halftime. They shot 7-22 of 22 at the free throw line. That's the conference opener. So when you do that, that can certainly... Be a struggle. They were below 50% against the College of Charleston. I mean, they've just had so many games and like, where
0: they've stunk at the and like rock. this is a team that has in their starting lineup a junior, a junior, three juniors, and people who get playtime, another junior, like and a senior. Well, Anthony Pickner doesn't really get huge amounts of PT, but you're not like a freshman heavy team. Like Matt Lewis, Darius Banks, and Dwight Wilson all should be somewhat, like, used to a collegiate free throw, you know? Well, and they're guard heavy. That's
1: what's crazy to me. <laughs> that, like,
0: too. They're shooting. Matt Lewis
1: is, yeah. bo- Matt, <laughs> Matt Lewis is below 60%. Uh, Michael Christmas is not necessarily a guard, but he's, like, a wing below 60%. Deshaun Parker's at 50%. Julian Wooden's at 55%. Like, that's crazy to me that some of these guys who are – so athletic and and pretty decent shooters like they've got a good stroke for the most part I mean like here's what's crazy like you look at Michael Christmas he's shooting 42 percent from the three-point line and 52 percent from the free throw line that makes no
0: sense I'd rather be like all right refs can we just take a three-point shooting contest like
1: can he shoot his free throws from three like he's (laughs) he's got 24 made free throws and 46 attempts and 24 made threes on 57 attempts like that's It makes absolutely no sense. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's just so many little things right there. And I don't know. Some people love to point at free throws and like, that's coaching. It's like, is it, (laughs) is that really coaching? (laughs) Cause I'm sure they, I imagine they work on free throws. I'm not sure that that's like an indictment of road. It's another issue where like, these
0: guys got to execute. Yeah. Like I never really understood when people are like, that's all on coaching. Cause like. I don't know, you could, Is row shooting like, You could teach me how to shoot a free throw. And I'm going
1: to be honest, I'll probably shoot 20% from the line. Like, right. You got to have players that are shooting, that go in in rhythm, and they have to, you know, be good shooters. But it, it, it's just
0: funny, though, just because they did drop 8 percentage points this season from the free throw and line. You gotta free- and you didn't lose well, here, a I'll- great free throw shooter. You lost Stucky, who I don't think would increase this team's free throw percentage by 8%.
1: Especially because he didn't really attack the rim yeah. all that much, he was not a guy who wasn't getting like ten free throw attempts a game. He wasn't the same style as Lewis. So here's a here's a question I have for you that I'm fascinated by. So they, the free throw shooting at, against Hofstra and that first loss was really bad. That's the first conference game they're going. They came out of non conference play with a winning record, and I believe they had a decent. Let me find the exact. Sure that was the first time here.
0: too that they had come out of non con with a winning record
1: yeah. under LeRoe. I think that's right, or they were, like, barely maybe last yeah. year, but I can't remember if they were actually above when Yeah, but started. there was
0: hope <laughs> they were while you're well. looking this up. There was hope for this team coming out of non-con. It was kind of like, uh, they should have yes. had the Radford game. Like, that was an ugly loss, but it's okay. They won their last two coming out um, in convincing yeah. fashion really well, and I-, I think there's hope around this team, guys. The shots are starting to go their way. The ODU game, they won that last second. They're starting to win games late. And then they lost to Hofstra, and you're like, okay, just fix up the free throw shooting. There's still hope. And then Northeastern, and then College of Charleston, and then Delaware, Drexel, Towson, William & Mary, and Elon have all lost. And there's literally zero hope, and we're saying Roe might be fired midseason. Did I give yes, you enough time to figure out to what
1: you- <laughs> Yes, I got it. I got it. So here's my question jmu Darius banks hits a three early in the second okay. half and jmu is up on hofstra first conference game of the year winning record like you mentioned all that hope they're up 45 to 32 at home hofstra ends the game on a 50 to 31 run and wins by six and i've seen that i think the dnr shane Maitland i think it tweeted this they like that sort of run like kind of deflated the guys and they haven't seemed to bounce back what are your thoughts on the idea of like the opening game in conference where they go up there's this big hope and then they fall short and then that just imploding the mental stability the fight whatever (laughs) i mean do you think that's a fair point and like how much do you think that loss played into like what we're seeing yeah that loss might hold over then to
0: their monday game two days later and it might have losing that 88 to 72 um But I don't – like, like as a collegiate athlete, like, I feel like you should have more, like, mental fortitude. Like, I'm not saying that they don't have it. I'm saying they do have it, and that's why it didn't affect them going down the stretch. Like, oh, that one hurts. We still have the rest of conference play to go. Like, I don't think that one – that 50 to 31 run is going to be like, oh, throw it in. The season's over. We're going to implode. Like, like, I don't think that's how it adds up. Like They're collegiate athletes. They have the mental fortitude to be like, that one hurt. It might affect you a little bit going into your game two days later, um, but I don't think it's going to yeah. implode your season. Like I, I just think it is funny, though, that they started conference play. And I, I can't even say they started conference play so strongly. They've had one good half of conference play. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point, and I think I agree with you. Like You look at the North – eastern game and i think maybe you can say all right there's a little bit of a hold over there with the bad first half maybe they're upset or whatever but northeastern also a better basketball yeah game. and then they come out they go on the road i actually watched this uncw game it was not pretty but they it was won,
0: on cbs sports they network fought.
1: wow yeah Shout they out. fought pretty hard great broadcast and um yeah but then it's like so to me once you win that game you bounce back after all these things you've gone over a week since the other stuff happened yeah i can't I don't think that the storyline that like that it was that you know took the wind out of their sails. I don't think that's fair at all. Like I think that the team is just not good, (laughs) and maybe there were some obvious glaring issues in non-conference play that people like to ignore because they had those two strong performances going into conference play in the one half that people sort of ignored: a twenty-three point loss to Radford, a sixteen-point home loss to Coppin State, the loss to Mason. And then the absolute meltdown at Old Dominion that turned out to be a win. And ODU is a very bad basketball team this year. And I think people tried to ignore it and be like, oh, there is hope. There is hope. I don't know that there ever really was hope. I think that was sort of fool's gold, some of the non-conference results. And I think this is just the team that Jamie has. I'm not sure it's a lack of fight or a lack of, like, um, wind in their (laughs) sails or anything. I think that... This version of JMU men's basketball is very bad. The program's in a very bad spot right now and it, it kinda sucks.
0: It does. Now I will say if looking at their schedules, say they went into the the northeastern game. Um, or the Hofstra game. Let's go on a run. Or, no, what I'm saying is with with ha- if that could affect a team, if they were going into those last two games with like everything on the line, like one seed in the CAA tournament and, and all this stuff on the line and then you give up that huge run, yes, then yes. I can see it affecting you into the CAA tournament. 100%. But it's the first, the fact really that it's the first game of conference and you still have literally your entire season ahead of you because non-con really doesn't And you count. won two games later. Yeah, and that too. And non-con doesn't really count <laughs> when you were playing team that JMU was playing, like you're not getting in based off of that resume, even if you went out right. all those non con <laughs> games. But, like, right, your whole season's in front of you. That's not going to destroy you. It's going to be like, damn, that hurts. But, all right, get them next week. But, um, right. Yeah, let's just win out from here on out. Um, here's the thing I have a question for, I guess this will kind of be our last question for men's basketball, and then we'll move into women's. Yeah. Would it surprise you, though, if this team went on a just incredible run, winning, like, 90% of their last games? <laughs> like, what? The, it? would <laughs> <Yes>.
1: okay. <laughs> it, would, it would surprise me, but I do think that they have, like, enough pieces in the CAA is like, not that great yeah. a league that, like, I wouldn't be floored, but every – like, I went into watching the Elon game legitimately thinking that it could start a spark for this team because Elon's terrible. I thought you get a road win there, you come play Char- College of Charleston at home, JMU does a weirdly good job playing them. And UNCW, too, because
0: then that's another really bad – well, not anymore since they fired their coach, but then that's another home game. They could have gotten that Elon win. All of a sudden, they could be looking at a three-game win streak.
1: Right, and then you have road games at Drexel at Delaware that are not that intimidating, and you're able – maybe you get one of those, you go in with a little momentum, and then you have three consecutive home games. So I thought the Elon game had a legitimate chance to spark the team, and they just came out kind of flat. They didn't play well at all, lost by nine. And now, watching this team, they've got a six game losing streak. I mean, I don't. Every time Roe goes to one of the Monday O'Neill's pressers, it's just basically a conversation about how he's handling being on the hot seat, almost being fired. Yeah. Like, that's got to be kind of tough for your, your players. I, but, they- um, well, they're not the same as like some of the other athletes, too. I don't mean this offensively, but I like they're pretty online. Like, they like some of our tweets. They like when they're playing well. They like, I think the football players kind of do it too. Like a lot of these athletes in today's day and age, they pay attention to this stuff online. And if everything you see online is people saying that the program is in like the worst spot it's been in two decades. I don't know that that inspires confidence. (laughs) And then you go and play in front of an empty gym. Like, I don't know. I just don't know that they really have it in them to make a run against some of these other teams that feel like they can win the conference tournament and feel really good about where they're
0: seeing. I guess this is just me as a person. Like I, I kind of thrive on when people like dismiss me, and I m- like I do really well with like I'm that start... type of reinforcement. I, I do well. This is a weird side, talking about positive or negative reinforcement, <laughs> but like I do get really. What makes you? But care? like going through the job search, having people say no, 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 it was it did hurt mm-hmm. and defeating. But at the same time, like I was like, wow, when I get my first opportunity, I'm gonna make all of them like feel like I'm gonna make them. What's what's the word? Regret. There we go. Like regret not hiring. Yeah, yeah. So like if I'm a basketball player and I'm seeing everyone saying, like, wow, this team sucks. There's no chance this program's in disarray. Our coach your coach is gonna be fired. There's no hope. I'd kind of want to go out there and be like, all right, screw you. It's literally us against the world. Like, we're about to go like run this shit. Instead, they're like, they came out against Elon flat and just never really did anything else. I personally want to go out and be like, I want to prove all of you wrong. Like, I'm going to just ball out now. Like, it's only us. It's us in this locker room type of, like, mentality. Whatever the Patriots do, it seems like, every season when no one doubts them and they make the entire locker room think
1: the world <laughs> doubts
0: them. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like that should be their, their, their goal. But uh, they don't.
1: Yeah. Hope, I mean, hopefully. Maybe they listen to this podcast and to- they're like, damn, they're, he's right. Listen, you're be he coach, made fun man. of I us they, i hope they do find a way I hope to, they hire not us. even that i want to see sorry i interrupted you I <laughs> no that was worth it man i do too and if they don't go on a run i hope they at least pick up some wins and go into the conference tournament just not because left. it's in dc and have some semblance of hope like i just hope that there's some fight in them because i remember last year they like made a little bit of a run and they lost the last two, but they had the buzzer beater and they actually played Hofstra pretty tight. It was kind of fun to watch them compete hard in the conference tournament. Um, and I don't, I don't know with a month until the conference tournament or, um, you know, basically a month. Uh, I don't necessarily feel hopeful about their chances. And I think that they really need to find a way to salvage this season. They do have what five of the last nine or <laughs> that's not really that much. <laughs> five, five of the last 50%, nine. 50% <laughs> just above 50%. <laughs> I'm The last <laughs> nine are at home. I don't know. Try to there's a three <laughs> try to win. Well maybe you can win three of those and one of the Or road win games. all five. What is that? Go five and four down the you think stretch. Gonna, you think they're gonna win all five home games and lose all four <laughs> road games? I don't know. Just well, when they're, I don't know. I wanted them to make a run, I just don't feel confident. I would be surprised.
0: What if them. they lose their next five, four, and then that three game home stand in February? They win all three, and then all of a sudden, it's kind of
1: like last Just rest year. your player. Just rest your guys until, like, conference tournament. Get some, like, club Jamie basketball players. Put them out there for a few games. If they win, they win. If they don't, what? Well, what if those club players perform better? They're just, like, going out there bawling <laughs> balling out. Well, then you've got your <laughs> roster, man. And then roll with those guys. See what happens. I don't know. I would play literally – there's no point, though, at this point, to not just, like, roll out everybody on your bench. Like, they gave Quinn – They basically did against um, Elon, which I liked. Dobbs played. Richie played. Anthony Pinker got 13 minutes. Javis Harvey. Javis Harvey. Put them all out there. Roll them all
0: out. out in seven minutes of (laughs) gameplay.
1: Hell yes, man. Make the most of it. If you're out there, hack people. Let's call. They also did call. some. They were calling. Every time there was contact, they blew the whistle. So, I'll give them a little bit of a pass there. But... Oh, man, I don't know. Disappointing overall. I wish they would win more games. I think I might go to the game Thursday. I'm not sure yet, but considering it, I want to go to the convo one last time, and I'm not sure my schedule lines up with a Sunday women's game, but I might try to go to one of both.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you can't catch it uh, at the convo, you can always catch it on CBS sports network. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. This is a game that you'll be live tweeting and I'm stoked. Tell the people Uh, I'm so excited. So my new job is with CBS sports and I work with the CBS sports network with their social media. So I live tweet a lot of basketball games, really all the ones that we air. Um, It's me and a couple other people on the team. I'm the low man on the totem pole i'm scheduled to work the thursday night shit really this whole week is just great basketball for me um it's a lot of a lot of virginia ties and southern ties but so for thursday night i get a live tweet jmu charleston on cbs sports network and i got really excited over that i was like yes and everyone looked at me like i was crazy <laughs> and i was like sorry you guys just put me on thursday night and they're like you want to be on thursday night And i was like yeah jmu plays charleston and they're like who they didn't really say who. that looked look really bad. But they were like, "Okay, interesting. Like, he wants a CAA game of two, two bottom Dukes. feeder CAA teams."
1: Hey, we're not bottom feeders. We're we're here's what I'll say. You are. Game we game. are last. And we this are is, last, and we are. This is full my, possession. So technically, hey, technically <laughs> speaking, sure. But maybe, just maybe, this is a sleeping giant that's been in a slumber for like 20 years, but when the giant wakes up, which it might, when let's, I don't know, January 30th at 6.30 PM when I'm in attendance, I don't, I have not witnessed a Jamie loss in attendance in recent memory, but I'm also blocking out almost all the games I've gone to. (laughs) So I, I could could have been, I really do not remember when the last time I went to a Jamie game was, but I'm sure they won it. So I think maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm the spark. Maybe I'll go Thursday. Maybe I'll dress up. as like a, like a, I don't know, <laughs> what, a duke, which I dress up as. Yeah, I'll dress up as like a duke. I'll show up. I'll go crazy. I'll throw streamers and stuff. And Jamie might be like, you know what? If this guy is fighting for us, I'm gonna fight for him. And they'll wear, they'll get like tattoos across their chest with like my name, my face. He's
0: the guy that makes fun and of man. us on the podcast, but he's here cheering for us.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly and
0: that brings us perfectly into the shining light that is women's basketball how do we always go so long in men's I don't know I never know I really never know and I feel bad for everyone who listens to us just ramble on through men's basketball and then we we, we touch women's basketball
1: so quickly because let's give it a good one this time but like there's not a, a good chunk they're just really good they are really good I am excited about this team's future this team's potential. They're playing well after the Towson loss. I'm still the one thing I will say about this team is I have a lot of like the Sean O'Regan said in a recent press conference, like you can't play the what if game. But I every time I look at this team, I play the what if game. I'm like, oh, what if they beat Maryland? What if they are undefeated right now? They should be undefeated. <laughs> like they literally, they should be undefeated. They'd be ranked. So they should be 18 and 0. They would be ranked. That's why I'm so disappointed because they're like, oh, they man, had so many chances to put themselves right in a position to be like. Getting national headlines and getting all this great. Because they were receiving
0: votes during non con. And then after the UVA loss, all that receiving vote stuff kind of
1: stopped. They had a bad weekend in Charlottesville. They barely beat UCF, but the shooting that entire weekend was terrible. They scored 49 against Virginia, 46 in the yes. win over UCF. That's by far the worst offensive stretch of the year. I blame JPJ. Maybe, it And it's weird
0: country. sight lines. That's That's weird.
1: Maybe that's why Virginia is one of the worst. I was gonna say that's
0: how UVA's defense is so good. It's not because their defense is great, it's because JPJ's sight lines are just off.
1: Oh, last 20 minutes. Okay,
0: perfect. After the wake game, it's wake, right? Yeah, and um, Florida State tonight. Oh,
1: yeah,
0: big one. Big game, Um, but women's basketball, their 92 point game
1: against Hofstra was scary. They scored what? Was it was at least at least twenty points in every quarter. it's all right In every quarter? No, I guess they only scored seventeen. They did it the game before, I think, against College of Charleston. They did at least twenty in every one. This one they didn't. But man, they can shoot. And when you get Jackie Benitez going, the team is very special. She had twenty six in that win.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it, it takes a little, kind of a little bit to get her going, and she has really great games, and she also has really terrible games. On the season, she's shooting 33.7%. 30% will round up. 31% from three. Um, She's taken 205 shots this season. 130 of them have been behind the arc. She is not afraid to just jack up triples, even when she's 0 for 8 from the field. But yeah, when she hits six of those eight, because she never stops jacking them. I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I'm saying that as a... She continues to have the green light. The team just gives it to her. Like that's what she was brought in to do. She can put up points and light up a scoreboard. And if Jackie's going, I don't, there's not even there. I can say it with just, just matter of factly. There's not a team in the CAA that can beat JMU if Jackie is shooting well. And I'd argue if she shoots well into the NCAA tournament, this team can win a couple games.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with you on that. You look at Lexi Barrier is one of eight in the Hofstra win. like So she didn't even play her best game offensively. She struggled a little bit. But when you have Jackie going, you pretty much know night in and night out where you're going to get from Kamaya. And Kiki Jefferson's proving to be a really elite player as well. When they're playing that well, and then you add in Jackie Benitez, it can be a special, special group. And it's exciting. I mean, it's exciting when they play well, because they're a solid defensive team, especially in conference. So when they're locked in playing defense and scoring the ball, you have some of those games that are 30 plus 40 plus point wins. And it's fun to watch. They're really fun to watch. Yeah, Lots of fun. Would you rather have a sweet 16
0: appearance from appearance from this women's basketball team or an NIT championship? Go
1: sweet 16. (laughs) Give me sweet 16. They've had a lot of decent NIT runs and they've done some good stuff in the NIT, especially last year. But I think, for me, I would almost rather have even just an NCAA tournament appearance and a first round loss, because this is a team. Kamaya Small has never played an NCAA tournament. Yeah, game that's yet. wild. It's crazy. Team. That is. That seems like wild. it shouldn't. It shouldn't be right. So you want you want them to make it all the way there, win a conference title. That's what it's about, and I think this team deserves it. And I think it could also springboard something because he's doing O'Reagan's oh, doing a great job recruiting. You add in the new arena, I think they've got a chance here in coming years to become a top twenty five. Team like year in and year out. I really think that they can do that under O'Reagan. You look at the fact that he added someone like Kiki Jefferson is unbelievable. They basically have the next star that they'll roll with next season. And you look at the talent around her um, with some of the really good players there as well, with Madison Green in the backcourt. Nikki Oppenheimer is pretty good. I like some of the other pieces they have too. So I think there's a really bright future for the program, and I think. It's important for them to make the NCAA tournament this season, though. I agree. It's also wild that Kamaya's never won a CAA tournament. That's insane. It doesn't make any never sense. Been seen never, never hoisted, hoisted and, it. Never. That's wild. And they ran into some pretty good teams the first two years she was there. And then last year, it seemed like they were poised to do it. And then, of course, the injury bug hit, like, crazy late. Yeah.
0: That was a hard injury bug, too. Kamaya, uh,
1: Madison Green, Lexi Barrier. Yeah, it took him out, and then you add in that Benitez had a cold shooting performance and took him out. Yeah, yeah, Man, But It was, and they were still close to being an at large, they barely, yes, yeah. well, it was like, based on like what the, yeah, it's it's wild. So, I'm excited for this team the rest of the way. And you did some good Kiki Jefferson digging. Tell me about the star. star oh, freshman. yeah, you
0: say she's poised to become a star. And we've been kind of talking about that back and forth, whether it's on the podcast, just how good she is, or through text. And I, was, I it, it just dawned on me. I was like, I want to see how she stacks up to other recent greats through her freshman year. So I, I looked at Kamaya, I looked at P. Hall, Don Evans, Kirby Burkholder, and Meredith Alexis, um, all great players for JMU during their time. Well, Kamaya's still there. But I was just like – They're all great. Let's see how Kiki adds up. And it didn't really disappoint. Yeah, she has only 8.9 points per game. She averages 5.8 rebounds, but a solid 41% shooting and averages 23 minutes a game. She started 15 of the 18 games so far, and she's already won CA Rookie of the Week six times, which matches Kamaya Smalls. And if it's to say anything, Kamaya went on to win the CA Rookie of the Year by unanimous decision. So Kiki's kind of stacking up well. That 8.9 points kind of, if you're looking at it just from a pure statistical standpoint, it kind of doesn't necessarily match up to Kamaya, who was at nine precious who's at 9.6 Don Evans and Meredith Alexis, both average double digits. Um, But just the fact that the last three games, she's had 21, like 15 and 17 or something like that had a double double. A few games back, yeah. she's just really coming into her own, and she kind of does it all. She is, she's a, she's very reminiscent of Kamaya in terms of the points per game and rebounds per game. Kamaya is just a pure score. I don't think we'll ever see someone with a shooting percentage as high as Kamaya's from a guard. But um, Kiki's on track to just seamlessly replace Kamaya and and maybe give her a little bit of a run for her money in, in recent memory, maybe. Maybe some P. Hall likenesses with Kiki
1: or maybe even a Meredith Alexis. She's incredible. To me, she's like such a – like almost a a one-of-a-kind just because of her size and like length. I think she's tied for third on the team in steals. She's second or third. She's third on the team in block shots, second in rebounding. And what is she, like fourth in points, I think. So, Yeah. I mean, her ability – yeah, it's only Smalls, Benitez, and Barrier above Kiki Jefferson in terms of scoring on this team. As a freshman to come into this lineup and earn yeah. starts and to be able to rebound and defend and pass, just 30 assists on the season, um, which is actually more than she has turnover. She has a positive assist-to-turnover ratio, and, and not too many players on the team have that. You look at Lexi Barrier and Madison Green and Kiki Jefferson, I believe, are the only ones. It's impressive, like her ability to handle the ball, to score in the post, to block shots, to get steals. She's the kind of player you can build a team around, and that's what's so exciting is going into next season when she, you would assume, takes over that star role. I think she's going to be ready. Yeah,
0: I, I do too, and and you, you touched on it. This is a, a starting lineup that consisted of Kamaya Smalls, Lexi Berry, Jackie Benitez, and Kayla Cooper-Williams. Right now, Devin Merritt because of Kayla's injury. It was senior heavy, and then Madison Green too, who was an experienced sophomore coming back, and and we kind of pegged it as maybe a Madison, Kamaya, um, Lexi, kind of Lexi, Jackie, Kate, something like that. But it was always yeah. an interesting thing. But Kiki was never really in the conversation to be a part of that starting lineup. Always the conversation to be a great sixth, sixth off the bench. But she's performed so well this season that she's just kind of. Thrown herself into the starting lineup, kind of forced Coach O to put her in there.
1: Yeah, and it's it's exciting. Obviously, we don't want to look too too far ahead until like next season and stuff, but that's what I'm about to do. But she's darn um, good
0: because next season this this roster is going to look different, but it's going to still be dangerous.
1: That's what's so exciting, and I think the other thing that's that's cool about JMU and people might sort of overlook this when they're like, oh, they're beating teams by 40 points. Like, oh, uh, I don't know if I should go to these games. Like, what's going on? Kind of blowouts. And you could you could make the argument, some people probably do that, you know, when the outcome's not in doubt, it's boring or whatever. But I would disagree. I think you get to see the future of Jamie basketball in the second half. Because they'll put Madison Green out there. You'll have Kiki Jefferson playing late in the games. And these are the players that next year are going to make an NCAA tournament charge. And also some of the players that play a big role next year. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but Eleanor... Um, the Canadian yeah, player, um, let's, let's try
0: Marce Jewett, Marchus
1: Chusky. That's where I'm going to go with. Decently, right? I think it's, I'm, I'm sure it's in a pronunciation guide somewhere, but <laughs> she's, she's a real <laughs> really good player. And I really like her. I think she's somebody to keep an eye on. She can score, do it all. And then people aren't talking about it much, but they have Brianna Tinsley, Brianna Tinsley on the bench. She is a red shirting this season. She's a transfer guard from Virginia. Is a pretty solid player as well. So she's someone that next year will step in. I think she started, yeah, she started 27 games uh, the year before for Virginia. So she played at the power five level and is just redshirting this year, getting used to the system and with the transfer rules. Rain Tucker's been awesome. I'm glad you brought her up. She's been fantastic. Uh, I think Belleran left the program due to a mutual parting of ways, was the report there. But they also have Jalen Carradine, who's been good. Nikki Oppenheimer's shot is ridiculous. So, (laughs) they've got pieces. I like this team, man. I like this team. I think that they're really fun to follow, and they're also fun to watch in blowouts because you're then watching the future, and I think next year's team has another chance to go to the NCAA tournament, which is why I like this team so much. Yeah. That's all I can say on that. You you hit the nail on the head on every single
0: thing. It's exciting. It is exciting. Exciting stuff, and
1: I don't see a pronunciation guide. What the heck? We'll have to figure it out. Well, I'm excited about this team, man. I think they're I think they have sweet sixteen potential. Ooh. Ooh. I also also helpful that Kamaya Smalls is playing thirty minutes a game and Kayla Cooper Williams at thirty point one, but she's messed the last few. Because of the, the blowouts and the depth, they don't have to like play Kamaya a million minutes, which I think is really valuable, especially in conference play where she doesn't necessarily need to play too too many minutes. So when you get to the conference tournament, to the NCAA tournament. If you need Kamaya to go 35, 36, 38, 40, whatever, I think she'll be able to do yeah, it.
0: Yeah, and, and her workload's lessened this season. I mean, against Northeastern, yeah. she scored 10 points. She did shoot the ball 11 times, um, five threes. But she knows at this point, like, she doesn't have to – like, she can, of course, take over the game um, if need be. But she also knows that she has other people on the team that, that can really help and – Last season, she kind of had that, but not necessarily to the extent that she has it this year with Lexi, who's always a solid option. Jackie, who's been kind of less streaky and more consistent to a point this season. And now Kiki Jefferson, yeah. too. Like, There's only so many touches in a game, and I think Kamai is starting to realize, I don't have to jack up that many shots. I can I can give out my shots, and she's such a great facilitator and makes her presence known
1: in every other part of the game that... But- she still makes her impact really felt. Exactly. It's just that depth that's so impressive and and valuable. And I think it's a good team that can do a lot of really special things this year and beyond. And I like that. I think that's exciting. I think that just as JMU fans, you look football seems like it's in a really good spot in the fall sports. There's always a lot going on. And then the spring sports with lacrosse and softball, and hopefully baseball can pick it up a lot going on. And you sort of need that winter bridge, of programs that are really able to pick up wins and keep the fan base engaged. And I think to do that, you need both men's and women's basketball playing at a high level. And at least we have women's right now.
0: At least we have women's around the, is that all you have to say about um women's basketball? I kind yes. of said, okay. Around the program. No, not the program around sports worlds. Um, I don't know. Couple quick notes. Emily Gross won CAA Diver of the Week and Bonnie Zhang won CAA Swimmer of the Week and JMU comes in at number 17 in the IWLCA Preseason Division One Coaches Poll. That's lacrosse if you didn't know what IWLCA meant. Duh. <laughs> that's all I got. All right, well, let's um, so for Bennett Conlon, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. Head on over to everything I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. We don't have our funny ramblings at the end of this one because it just didn't really, uh, the opportunity didn't present itself. So you all have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. See ya.